I want to talk to you about what a lot of people all over the world are going to be celebrating the next number of weeks. And many of you do this as a tradition in your own families every year. And that is to look at what we call Advent. Some of you will use Advent calendars. You'll use Advent candles. You'll do all kinds of different things. And it's all good to bring your attention, to bring your mind, your heart, to really reflect upon who Jesus is and why He came. The word Advent literally means to uh, look for something to appear. Advent is about an appearing. It's about the coming. In this case, it's the coming of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus, as you know, was born in a manger 2,000 years ago. And that was His first Advent. Right now, we're looking towards His second Advent. Because the Bible says that just as Jesus came that He will come again. In fact, Jesus uh, is promised to come and, and be uh, again uh, in the earth and set up His kingdom on the earth after the time of tribulation. And so, there's the first advent and there's the second coming of Jesus. But you know, that's what, the, that's what everybody reflects on. How about if I talk to you today about the in-between? I think that it's like the one and a half advent that is maybe the most important for us to really focus on. Because first was the birth of Christ. Later will come, and the culmination of God's plan and human history will be the second coming of Christ. But the in-between, the reason why I say it is the most significant to you and me, is because it is the coming of Christ into your life. It is that moment when you really see who He is, His person. You see why He came. You see the glory of who He is. And you, you literally open your heart. This is what we call being born again, to open your heart and to receive Jesus for who He is and what He's done in our hearts and our lives. That is the most significant moment of your entire life. It is the most important thing that could ever take place. And so today, I think it's good that we start off a little early and start focusing our hearts and our lives upon the coming of Jesus, not just in the manger and not just at the end of time, but right here in the midst of where we're living and letting the Lord really get a hold of us. The word Advent has the sense of expectation, of yearning, of looking. And I hope today that you and I can join together and look towards the glory of the Lord in our everyday lives, starting right here this morning. I want you to turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. And I'd like for you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. In Hebrews chapter 1, it has a very powerful message. I love this message from the heart of God to us. And it basically says this, in the past, the Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at various times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, and through whom He made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the, act and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but it's such a powerful insight to how God works in our lives. In days of old, He spoke through the prophets, but now He has spoken. The primary way that God speaks to us and reveals Himself is through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, I want you to look with me at, at the power of the advent, the power of the birth of Jesus, and the significance and the importance, and, and not just leave it there, but to gleam from it what God has given to us as an amazing insight 
as to who Christ is, why he came, and what it means to us in our everyday life and leading us even into eternity. In the Old Testament, we find that there are a number of, of, of these prophets that Hebrews 11 speaks about, how the Lord spoke through the prophets, various ones at various times. But probably the most significant prophet that spoke to us about the first advent, about the coming of Jesus, I think would be the prophet Isaiah. And in Isaiah chapter 7, he gave just insight and the different writers of the Gospels point to these as, as points of reference as to what God would do. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, the prophet Isaiah said, the Lord himself will give a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will, be call, and will call him Emmanuel. That's a pretty amazing scripture because Emmanuel means God with us. And we will find this. In the next few weeks, we're going to talk about different aspects of the coming of Jesus and different insights that we get. And so there's going to be this beautiful mosaic that we're going to come out of in just the next few weeks of seeing Jesus through an even more clear lens than we have ever seen before. But here in Isaiah chapter 9, it says these words, the people Walk, this is uh, Isaiah 9, verse 2 and following. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Boy, I'm praying, I hope you are too, over the Middle East and over the, the aspect of Israel. Because that's what this scripture is talking about, is, is the land that surrounds basically the, the Sea of Galilee. And talks here 2,000 you know, years ago, actually more than that in Isaiah, but speaking about how people were living in a day of darkness, and yet there's a time coming when the light will dawn. And that is the advent of the Christ, the Messiah. And it says this in verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. How many of you know today that we can put our faith in Jesus and we can put our faith in Jesus because he, in his birth, in his first advent, we see fulfillment of Scripture. You may remember the story, and we'll be talking about it again in this ongoing series of Advent. But when Jesus was born, King Herod was trying to um, remove him from the scene. And he ordered that all the baby boys would be killed. And as the Magi came onto the scene, Herod asked them, where is this child that has been born, the king of the Jews? And the Magi only would know from the word of God. Going to the book of, of Micah, and in Micah, the prophets foretold that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. So we find all of these traces and all of these roads that lead us to one place, and that is that Jesus is the Son of God. He was prophesied, and then He came, and He fulfilled the words that were told ahead of time. And so today, when we look at Jesus, what we should see is a great place of confidence in our life. In fact, today, the very first week of Advent centers on the word of hope. And so if you're a note taker today, I would say this, our hope is centered on the person of who Jesus is. Our hope is not a weak hope. It's, it's not like a wish list. Some people think that hope is like wishing or, or hoping that something might take place. Like yesterday when the 
Washington Huskies were struggling so much, and I was wishing that they could, you know what I'm saying, but, you know, a, a biblical hope is more than wishing something may come to pass in our lives. A biblical hope is founded upon the person of Jesus. A biblical hope is founded upon the Word of God, and the Word of God is rock solid. We can put our faith in Him. We can believe. Is there someone who knows what I'm preaching about today? There's power in our faith. In fact, we started in the book of Hebrews. I want to take you back to the book of Hebrews, and I want you to see that when we look at faith and we look at what it is to know God and have a relationship with God, it, I think it's so significant to recognize that faith and hope are so intricately linked together. If you need faith, if you need hope in your life, it needs to center on Jesus. Look at these words of Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I think it's important for us to realize that biblical hope is something that God gives you the faith to believe for. It is like a seed in our lives where when we really believe and put our hope in who Jesus is and we put our hope in his word and we allow his word to begin to lead and guide our lives, you know what we have? We have a foundation for, as, for everything that we are doing in our life. We have a rock-solid foundation to build upon through the person of Jesus and the power of His Word taking root inside of our lives. I want you to think about that. The greatest foundation you could ever build on, unmovable and unshakable, is the person of Jesus revealed through the Word of God. Not swaying with the, with the, the wind of, of culture, not swaying with immorality or people saying, hey, look, you know, you make up your own morality. Yeah, listen, hey, you may think this, but you believe whatever you want. It, it, all, it all leads to the same place. The Scripture teaches us that's just not true. The only reason why Jesus came was to be what no one else could be. It's interesting because Jesus walked on the water, but we know that there was someone else that walked on the water. It was Peter. Jesus called him out of the boat, and he took a few steps of faith and literally walked on the water, and then his unbelief or his fears took over, and he sank. You know, Jesus healed the sick. He raised the dead. He did amazing miracles. But he also said, greater things than these will you do in my name. Jesus did not come just to model healing or to walk on the water or show the miraculous power of God. Jesus came into humanity to step in and do what only he could do as fully God. A miracle, an amazing mystery to us of Jesus being born as a baby in a manger, taking on humanity, taking on human flesh, and yet still being fully God. Can I explain that to you? No. Can you explain it to me? Probably not. But God has put these things for us to believe and to understand. And it's when we get in the Word, it starts to unfold. And we start to see the purpose of God. We start to see the workings of God. And this is why it is so important that we don't just blow off spiritual things that will literally dictate our eternal future. But instead, that we dig down a little deeper and get in the Word and find where our hope is really, truly found. Number one, where is it? In the person of Jesus. When Jesus was born, when Jesus literally took on humanity 
You know, I've said this a, a lot of times. If you've been here over time, you've heard me say this. But, you know, sometimes people will say Jesus came to the earth so God could understand what it's like to be human. He could understand what goes on in our lives. Well, I would just say this. The Bible teaches us that God is omniscient. He knows all things. God is omnipresent. He's all places. He's not limited like us. We're His creation. Just even the earth is His creation. He's not limited to laws of gravity. He's not limited to time and space. He, he has created these things, and they govern our lives, and they are awesome in their place. But as Creator God, He stands above these. Is anybody with me today? And so what I want you to understand is that Jesus did not come so that He could better understand us. He came that we could better understand God. You know, when, when the Bible says that once he spoke through the prophets, but now he speaks through Jesus, that is so significant. That should put us on a journey to know him better, don't you think? And, and it's when, when the Lord came and walked on the earth and he interacted with people. And they, really what we see recorded in the scripture is who Jesus is and how he operated. He was absolutely sinless, integrous. He loved people. He cared he didn't make snap decisions and look at things the way other people did and react to it. Instead, he was measured by his, by his knowledge and his, is it true? And he spoke to each person what they needed in that moment. Today, where you are, and you may feel like you are so alone, so isolated, because we are living right now in an era of despair. We are in an era of discouragement. We are in an era when we're seeing things, where we've lowered our expectations. It's pretty amazing. Portland, Oregon is finally waking up that they had legalized hard drugs, heroin, and different things. And now after three years, they see the devastation, three times the death on the streets. And now they're rethinking some of their decisions. We see now when you go into stores that they have to lock up everything from deodorant to toothpaste. Maybe we're going to stop and start to realize that in order to have a civil society, you've got to be able to separate right from wrong and stop telling people they can do whatever they want and everything is okay. I don't know about you, but I think we need a spiritual revival and a spiritual renewal that we can once again have peace in our lives. How many know Jesus is described as the Prince of Peace? And it is when Christ comes into our lives and we get in alignment with who God is, we start to see uh, true positive change come into our lives, flow into our families. It changes everything. Wherever the gospel of Christ is preached, all boats rise in any place, in any time, in any culture. Christ raises everything. It's an amazing thing. When we begin to see the revelation of him coming into humanity, the compassion of God modeled through Jesus, the grace of God modeled through Jesus, the love of of God modeled through Jesus. All of a sudden, you know, it's not God way out there somewhere, but it, living up to his actual name, Emmanuel, God with us, God right here among us. Number one way that God shows us hope is in his person, in the fact that he loves humanity so much that he came to make himself known that we might walk in a living relationship. The second thing that, that brings us hope in our life is the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. If you go back to the prophet Isaiah, 
You know, we're talking about him being probably the most significant prophet in speaking about the Messiah that would come. In Isaiah chapter 53, he paints this picture, and he says this in verse 1, Who has believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. Look at verse 3 now. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. So in other words, Jesus did not come into this world to be the most handsome man that had ever walked on the face of the earth. He didn't take on things that that we might have chosen. He didn't come to be the most powerful man, the greatest physique of any man, but he came to be God's servant to bless mankind. Listen to these words again. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us, nothing in his appearance that we would desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse 4, surely he took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was placed upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned his own way. Sounds like 2023, doesn't it? Have turned their own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Christ came to give us hope. And how does that hope come? That hope comes that he, that he did something that only He could do. As, as God Himself, He stepped into humanity. And this one thing that He came for, as I've said, not just walking on the water, healing the sick, but this one thing that only He qualified to do was He came and ultimately laid His life down. We have a cross that stands on this platform every week, every day, because we never want to forget that we have hope because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. It is the power of the cross where Jesus literally gave himself up, that he would surrender himself, that by the shedding of his blood, this is why we take communion, because of the shedding of his blood, we have the forgiveness of sin. Because of the giving of his body, we we have Jesus. And what's so significant is that Jesus did not just send someone else or some inferior sacrifice, but he came himself. In other words, God's pure, righteous holiness demanded that sin could not just be swept under the carpet or, or ignored and try to make it go away. Isn't that how we kind of handle our sin? We, we deal with our hurts and our pains. We get disappointed. We deal with depression and discouragement. We slip into places of isolation or places of escapism with drugs or alcohol or interchangeable relationships, trying to find fulfillment. We try to plug success or money into the holes in our heart, and then we wonder why we're not fulfilled, why 
we don't have hope, why we're not satisfied, it's because we are trying to fill an eternal place that we do not have the ability to fill. Only God has the ability to remove sin. Only God has the ability to turn the page of a human heart. And he knew that, and he knew it ahead of time. And that's why Christ was willing to step into the world in the humility of being born as a human, being born as a person into a primitive place, into a primitive time that he might do it on his terms, but satisfy the heart and the conscience and the holiness of God. That through that sacrifice, today, no matter what you've done, no matter who you've been with, no matter what kind of pain you have brought on yourself or others, there can be a release of your conscience. There can be a release of your anxiety. There can be a release of all of these things that living outside of God's presence bring upon you. Today, you can be born again. You can be spiritually alive because of the sacrifice that Christ made. You can never earn it. God set up a system. It's His currency. It's not crypto. It's spiritual. It's outside of the hands and the place of man so that man cannot manipulate. This is between you and God. Nobody else can get in this space. The Bible says that whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say whoever did well whoever gave big things or whoever served great charities or things. No, it's whosoever will call on the Lord, whoever will put their faith in Christ, whoever will humble themselves. I think Jesus came into such humility. It's, it's, it's really kind of unbelievable. I mean, we kind of have standards of what we think is below our dignity. Could you imagine being creator God who speaks things into existence. And yet you are going to come into humanity, born of a woman, experience a birth canal like every other human being, be dependent upon people to take care of your every need as a baby. Could you imagine? That is the humility and the surrender of God to come into a place where his own heart and conscience could be satisfied by the sacrifice he was going to make for us. You know, if you've ever doubted whether God loves you, have you ever doubted that he pays attention to you or cares about you? You should just come back to the Word. Come back to the Word and be reminded that God so loved the world. This is Jesus' own words. For God so loved the world that He gave His only, only Son that whosoever would believe on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. That He didn't send His Son in the world to condemn the world, but that through Him the world might be saved. Today, i got to ask you, are you right with God? Today, is your heart right with God? If this, was, if this was your last day on planet Earth, if something were to happen today unexpectedly, is your heart right with God? Are you honoring Him? Are you pleasing Him? Are you, are you even aware of Him in your life? Today, I just want to encourage you, don't miss. You know, it's an amazing thing for us to celebrate Christmas, but don't miss the Christ in the midst of a season. But open your heart and discover the real hope of who He is. Number one is person. Number two is His sacrifice. The third thing today is this. 
you have a hope that is living because of the resurrection of Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 1, a lot of, a lot of us look at this as an um, Easter Sunday type of Scripture. But I want to tell you, it's not an Easter Sunday Scripture. It can be used there for sure. But this is an everyday truth for every single human being. This is, you know, the most level place you will ever get. It goes beyond time. It goes beyond ethnicity. It goes beyond economics. It goes beyond status, education. The greatest equalizer of all humanity is that every single one of us have a soul. And every single one of us need God's grace in order to know Him, to be right with Him, and to have the promise of eternal life. But listen to these words, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and following. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, which is kept for you in heaven, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in this last time. Today, the great message of hope is a sure foundation that you can build your life upon through the person of Jesus, understanding the sacrifice and the purpose why Christ came into the world, but then to also realize, listen, no matter how dark it may feel, no matter how, how much you may feel like your world just holds down upon you, the pressures of this day, I want you to know your hope is alive because Jesus is alive. I want you to know that today, this great God that we're talking about in His humanity, in His humility, laid down everything. The Bible says He came and took on the form of a servant, became obedient, even death upon a cross. Why? So that He would be able to stand in your place and lift the burdens off of you. Isn't that amazing? That your God could stand and literally take your judgment and my judgment the judgment that a holy God would be, you know, qualified to, to, to really level justice because of our failures and our mistakes and our rebellion, the things that we've done. But what a great, what a great God. What a great Lord who loves us so much. Just like a good mother or father would never want to see their kids be damaged, so your good heavenly Father wants to lift the burdens wants to lift the separation, and wants to bring you into a living relationship with Him. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You can't buy it. But you can freely receive God's grace, God's gift, and it can happen right here in this moment.